Show. I'm Megan Farr, a therapist and mother of two by day, and a coffee-drinking ADHD maniac basic white girl. But most importantly, I'm the mental mom host by night. And I'm Casey Harper, the producer slash art director slash boyfriend and moral support slash whatever Megan means. two-part Mental Mom episode series. This is the first time we're doing a two-parter? Yes. And today we have someone very special, near and dear to our heart. His name's Mickey. You might remember him as Dad Mickey. He is the first guest we ever had on our show back in what, like, I don't know, a year and a half ago? a couple years ago, I think. a long time ago. Yeah. And so, Mickey, welcome. You want to say hi? Yeah. Hello. How's it going? Hello. Uh, Glad to be back. Yes. Excited. Yes. Where have you been? Actually, I think this was my idea. We watched the, the doc that, <laughs> that inspired this, and yes. I said we should do it was Mickey's idea. A you remember podcast show about it? Yes. Do you remember how much of a great time you had? Yeah, the first the first show was fantastic. It's a little weird to be on a podcast because you know, I like talking. Yeah, and, yeah. So let's talking, have a, talking with intention. Can talking be strange. with intention. Yeah. And today we asked you back the first time you were on the show. It was just off the cuff, last minute, like, hey, you should come be on the show. Right. And then this time, we gave you specifics, and it was actually your idea. So the name of the documentary that inspired this is Alabama Snake, and that is a documentary on HBO. HBO Max. HBO Max. It's got religion. It's got murder. It's got all the things, my favorite things, religion, murder, Odd, people, mountain people. I don't think you're allowed to say mountain people. I don't Why think not? that's. I don't think that's. Um, they live in the mountains. I know, but I don't think that's. If if they want to call themselves that, that's okay. But I don't think that we should call them mountain people. We should say Appalachia. Thank you. See, Mickey gets Appalachian it. mountain people. <laughs> Stop! I don't think that's appropriate, <laughs> and I might have you edit that out. I'm trying it's to be sen- there. culturally it's not sensitive. No. Right. <laughs> Things have changed. God. I'm just saying, it's where you're at. Like, if you're proud of it, what's it matter? Okay. A, per- a particular part of, of American culture that is more prominent in Appalachia. Thank you, Mickey. Thank oh you, Mickey. Gosh. So, Mickey hasn't been here for a while because he's been really busy. Because not only is he an ER nurse, a charge nurse at a, one of like a major hospital, ER, but you're also in grad school. For nurse practitionership, is that what it's called? <laughs> um, I think the actual program is uh, family nurse practitioner. Okay, uh, FNP masters, masters of master in nursing, family nurse practitioner. So you'll be like, so when I see like FNP, mm-hmm. family nurse practitioner, yeah. sweet. So one of the reasons we wanted Mickey on the show, not only in undergraduate school did he study religion as his major. Right? Is that what it was? Yeah, so I've got a a bachelor's of science in nursing, um, which is what I use in my practice, obviously, as a nurse. And then I have two former degrees, uh, bachelor's degrees, one in history and then one in religious studies. And That's it? You just have three undergrads? That's it? Yeah. (laughs) A lot of debt. (laughs) And now he's getting his master's. I got one and an associate's. What do you have? I have an undergrad and a master's degree. 
Are we having a pissing contest right now? Is this well, what I'm, it's called? I wouldn't. It's not for me. I'm at the bottom, <laughs> so I'm not trying to antagonize it. You're not at the bottom. So anyway, we asked Mickey here because religion and snakes and snakes. All right. So in to honor the Alabama snake story that we're going to tell you today in a two-parter, we are going to take what's called a snake bite, which is for those of you who don't know, tequila. No, you lick the salt off your hand. Do a tequila shot, and then you were tra- traditionally you would have a lime or a lemon. Yeah, I think it's a lime. A, a lime. citrus. A c- but Mickey brought us blood oranges, so we're gonna do our own little. It's because that's what I had. And blood <laughs> murder. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you're looking for. So everybody, cheers. cheers. Clinkies. Gross. Ah. Ow. Tastes oh, like water. You know what? I actually like that a lot better with the blood orange. That's really good. And these are just good oranges. Mmm. That's great. Casey looks like he's really struggling over there. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I'm not, I don't like shots. I don't do them very often, but I feel like the snake bite was just so, like, we had to. And that tequila is like about five years old. It is. You said you've had that for a long time. It's been chilling in the freezer since Chicago. Exactly enough for us each to do one shot. Perfect. It's meant to be. So, what is. The plan for today, I'll tell you. Since Mickey's a nurse, he's going to be able to not only give us the religious context. We we wanted some information on this religion, the subset of Pentecostal practice, religious practice of uh, snake handling. And then also, I have some medical questions I'll be asking you along the way about snake bites and all that. But So, before we do that, though, like I said, Mickey was our first guest ever. We... Um, reviewed and talked about the Jody Arias case. It's interesting that I'm back on another show talking about another religion oriented murder. Or yeah, because attempted murder. Jody what uh, that was which religion was that Mormon? Mormonism, mm-hmm. yeah. Or Latter day Saints. Latter day oh, yeah, Saints, I LDS. Forgot. Mm-hmm. I forgot she was tied to something. So Mickey, I feel like you and I, our friendship, like really solidified early into quarantine when we were Zooming. Remember when we all started Zooming? Because, like, what else were we going to do? And we watched something together. Do you remember what it was? Tiger King, I think. Yes, was the first it was Doctor Tiger King. King. It, was. it was a cultural revolution at the time. <laughs> it was. So. Now, when we watched it, it was number nine on Netflix. But I had a feeling that this was going to be a thing. By the end of that weekend, it was, like, number one. So that was so fun. So what you don't know, Mickey, is that while we were watching that documentary together over Zoom, you, Casey, and me, I was taking photos of your face <laughs> because it was so <laughs> priceless. And I wanted to- I feel like my privacy, privacy has been uh, <laughs> violated. Okay. Well, I also- It's not also, in the public eye. It's just for us. I also made you a little something. Oh, jeez. It's Lord. a collage. He's so red. He's blushing. It, <laughs> if Mickey gives us permission, I will post this on our social media. Absolutely. Because okay. the, I documented this. There's so many different emotions here. Yes. There's there's like an uneasy one. There's like You can a see the progression. One. I love the one with the finger. Me too. I, I mean, I knew what I was doing when I was taking these photos. And Casey knew that you didn't know we were taking them. I was sneaking off the screen of Zoom yeah. to try to take them of you. Yeah, uh, these are pretty fantastic. It's kind of like that uh, those memes you see around, like yeah. which one of uh, this guy are you today? <laughs> each, each, it's, it's each, like which Mickey are you yeah, today? Yeah, each picture, honestly. Uh, I really love the one in the middle. They're so 
there's yeah there's like ugh. it's almost cringing <laughs> because that there's was... so many different emotions here this there's the one in the bottom i like that one too oh, i gotta check my phone yeah you're like wait, wait this a second make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> is this real yeah. um so while we were watching that documentary that was the first i mean that was the first time you and i ever watched like a weird documentary together sure. and i think that's when you and i really solidified our friendship and you became my friend not just casey's friend Aww, so man. yeah i'm celebrating that right now um, with well, this gift, nice. I was gonna put on a T-shirt, but then I thought Nikki's not gonna wear that. As I would a never wear a homemade T-shirt like that. But <laughs> if you would have given you. me a T-shirt, it would have moved. You would have worn heart. it to, to bed at night, maybe. Or yeah, Ashley um, would wear it. This is great. Thank this you. This is fantastic. I, the more I, the more I look at it, I I can't believe how good of a job you did at getting so many different emotions. <laughs> because I was there's just, a lot of open mouth. Like what? There's what a lot of um, what happening? do they call the gaping? Like yeah, and then your eyes are telling like a story of, of is this real? Is is Tiger You're King like, really doing this? Here. Yeah, that, that's a that's a that's a get the f Wait, out of here right there. Which one's the get the f out of here? Um, on the right hand side, second, second from, from the, the bottom, bottom. If you end up posting oh, this yes, online, oh yes, yes, so, okay, guys, that's yeah. the GTFO. Get the fuck out. Yeah, um, yeah. Because Mickey, you, you, you're the one. That's why I started saying get the fuck out because you would say that and it would crack me up. Oh, You'd be God, like, get know, the man. fuck out. <laughs> so funny. Ugh. But yeah, you know, as um, I can't remember the Tiger King. It's been recently brought Joe to my exotic. attention that I use the F word way too much. So We're, um, okay. as a 35 year old, soon to be 35 yes. year old, I'm trying to just reel that back in a bit. I understand. But I, understand. I do love that. That's good. Great. I'm so glad we can frame it and you can put it up on Absolutely. your wall. Absolutely. It's yeah. hysterical. I'm I would pro- feel kind of weird with it being on my house, my <laughs> wall because it's kind of... Would you rather us keep it? <sighs> yeah. I, I mean, like, I want somewhere. you to keep it. Well, I have two copies. Maybe so. give Ashley a I'll, copy. We'll give it to it Ashley. It feels weird framed. taking up Okay, I'll give it to Ashley, your wife. of my own face home. <laughs> I, maybe I'll write a message up here that'll make sense. Or something. It'll explain uh, it, it. You know, it's just like the Tiger King experience. It is the Tiger King experience. We should make it like a Christmas exchange or something. Like, mm. un- not planned, but... At some point. our buddy Steele, he got a pretty good one of me when all three of us were Zooming, like, not too long ago. He did? And, yeah, I was, I was tired. Very tired. And drunk. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least you're at home and not driving anywhere. You know, classic... Eyes closed. I'm not asleep. I'm fine. But he Stress caught me eyes. at the same time. Like, I saw something. Whatever we were watching, I was like, what? <laughs> it was perfect timing. I'll try yeah. to find it. I was also really proud of myself because Casey is an actual photographer, whereas I just dabble. And I look at this. I nailed those expressions. I told a story. Yeah, you did. I told yeah. a story here. They're, uh, they're pretty dang good. Um, you did a good job. I can't wait to um, put it on our social media. That is the Tiger King experience. Yeah. If you haven't watched Tiger King... I Where mean, have you been? Like, just, yeah, just GTFO. No, get the fuck out. Yeah. Be a part of the zeitgeist. <laughs> it's, it's here. You have to do it. Free Joe Exotic is all I'm saying. Free Actually, Joe not. Exo- he was no, horrible to he's animals. kind of what? a bad person. Jail Carol Baskins. Put Carol Baskins in jail <laughs> along with Oh, Joe. and then, did you guys know? You wouldn't know this, but Carol Baskins was on... Dancing with the Stars? You knew that. How did you yeah, know I that? Um, I can't remember why I know that. But you know that. Um, but I do know that. And it, I think maybe I saw that on social media or something. I'm okay, not sure. yeah, she was. And I was very weirded out I mean, by I, it. I, I, like, I should we be celebrating? Actually, I think I've seen clips of this show before. I don't think I've ever actually watched an entire It's episode. painful. It's just not It's just not for me. Well, I, I tried with the, my daughters, and it was like painful. It. You know, my parents love... Uh, what's that reality show? Real Home Makeover or something like that. Oh, that's cute. That's on Netflix. And I like that. 
I, I, I watch it when I go home with them, but it's not a show I'd ever watch myself. Right. But it's fine. Same People with, like it. Same thing I, with Dancing I just with the was Stars. uncomfortable There's because a, I'm like, should we be celebrating Carol Baskins? No, no I thanks. think that they should yeah. not have yeah. tried to profit off of that. Yeah, I think she's they, a terrible it was just a name. It was, yeah. it was, that was weird. It was the biggest person they could get from the Tiger King documentary. I think if Joe Exotic was out of jail, he would have been, he on, been on. He would have been yeah. the number one oh, person. Yeah. On Which show. is, ugh. Okay, so Mickey, as you know, she's like, Ew. as you know, on our show, maybe you don't know this, but we do a feelings check-in when we have a guest. Okay. And so I would like to know, okay, so you usually go first. Yeah, I go first so everybody can outshine me. And he warms uh, it up for us. I don't yeah. think it, we're outshining you. You just uh, establish the, the context of which we all... Follow. It's a very positive yeah. light to put yeah, it in. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. um, if anything, you're the trailblazer and we're just following. Exactly. <laughs> you're a pioneer, Casey. Yeah. There's, some, there's something, I would not, I don't want to be the first feeling. Right. I would never do that to a guest. I hope yeah, I haven't done that to a guest. Yeah, and you can't say you feel fine or you feel good. Or okay. You have to use okay. a real feeling word. You gotta do yeah. like this. You're Just imagine you're sitting on a couch. In a therapist's office or in, like, a group therapy setting. The therapist is sitting setting. in her, her high-class chair at the head. Mm-hmm. No, that's not how. Of the couch you're laying on. No, that's not at all what it's like. So okay, let's not do at all. feelings check in. Tell guys. me more about your mother. No, it's how are you feeling? Let's check in. I am feeling refreshed. Um, there was a couple days where I think I was just wore out. Mm-hmm. We got a new employee at work, mm-hmm. so I've had to like have conversations on a regular basis now, which I haven't had. Were you remote? You used to be at work by yourself. I pretty much worked by myself. So, which was a positive and a negative. I mean, I got to just kind of do my own thing. And then, but I would come home and I'd talk your ear off because I would not talk not to anybody. Not for that long. You know, we do the um, check-in when you come home. We do a five to seven minutes. Hey, yeah, how was your day? Sure. Um, so, that, just getting a new employee, stuff's kind of starting to change at work. There's been a lot of change. Mm-hmm. I think it just took its toll on me for about a week. And then I did, I got some good rest. Good. And just... Feeling pretty refreshed. Awesome. Good. Feeling refreshed. I like that feeling. Follow word. that. Wow, Casey, that was really That's good. That's like the best one I've done. My emotions are mixed. Okay, I like a mixed I like uh, a mixed bag, if you will. Keywords. I'm uh, a therapist. <laughs> of course I wanna I wanna like Yeah, I mean I'm I've peel I've off been, the layers. I've been excited to do this podcast Yay, for the last couple of days. That makes me so happy. Um, you know, with everything going on in my life right now, I wasn't 100% sure like four days ago if it was this weekend, next weekend, or the last weekend. But that's just kind of where my life's at right now. Um, but no, uh, I was excited to do the podcast. I look forward to it all day. Yay, um, us too. You know, a little bit of anxiety because this isn't something that I do on a regular basis. Like we, like I said earlier, uh, speaking with intention or like really trying to think through what you're you're saying. Or the fact but that also, we're global and like we have a lot yeah, of listeners all that. over the world, which I don't know how many we have really, but we are global. <laughs> I yeah, um, it's a different type of conversation than a conversation you have with a friend, but it's the same. You know, I don't know how to describe it. Anyways, mixed it's emotions. Different. It's different than what a you little anxiety, a little excitement. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And feeling kind of calm too, like in some ways. No, you said excited and. Here's the thing. Okay. I don't think my mind is calm right now, but that's that's independent of this podcast. You don't you I seem am calm. Currently overwhelmed with what I have on my plate in terms of grad school. It will kick working an ass. in an emergency department during a global pandemic. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. There's that. Yeah. Like, There's that. I, I couldn't have chose a worse year to go back to grad school. Yeah. I started uh, January uh, 2020. Right. And by March, we were <laughs> in a global <laughs> pandemic. So, like, you know. There's that. I'm kind of a chaos theory person, so, like, whatever. Yeah. You just deal with it. Well, one of the things Mickey and I share in common is we both have ADD, ADHD. And so sometimes Casey feels like... We just take over, right? Because our brains go all over the place. And our last episode is when we figured out, or the last episode we all did together is when we figured out Mickey and I are so much alike. And that's why, like, I'm your girlfriend, he's your best friend. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, it does make sense. It wasn't until all three of us were sitting down. I think we had doing identified something, it before. But, but doing something where we're all together, very specific, that involves talking. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely really set in for me like how much you two are very similar <laughs> just like the like tonight inability i probably to follow a structure yeah. sometimes when you text kc he'll show me the text and i kind of decode it for him i'm like oh great because that's not all the time not all the time but just once in a while because my brain is so similar to yours that my texts sound very similar like you know how we're just kind of like you just say whatever is right here and other people don't Never really know. thought about it. But okay. Sure. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And yeah. so I think that's cool, though, that I can read it and be like, that's what he means. And then I'm usually right. Oh, okay. If that's... it's anything personal, I don't share it. No, 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 no. Honestly, it's, I don't it's think not there's a lot anything of that I have thing. ever texted you or Steele or anybody else that I would care if Megan said. Yeah. And Most of the time, it's like we're mid-conversation, and then it's like, like what the I've heck? asked you something like this. Yeah. And I'm like... Where's what are you talking about? <laughs> no, 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 he's just jumping to this next thing because that's how yeah. our brains work. Yeah, yeah. but it's fun. It's, it's fine. It's cool. It's groovy. And next time, maybe we can get Ashley, your wife, on. That'd be fun. I think it would be difficult for Ashley to do a show with me because I think she would really struggle with our ADD brains. You okay. and I, Megan. Okay. Uh, because we're both very kind of jumped in each topic mm -hmm. if anything i would love for ashley to be on without me first let's do that so you... she can get the whole feel of what yeah. it feels like and kind of get more comfortable there there's a discomfort talking into a microphone there really is you guys have it's done weird, this but it was weird and at yeah, first yeah. it right. was so weird exactly so, so like weird. for her to have that experience would be good Mickey and, and Ashley then, are like the hottest nurse couple ever. We'll have to post pictures. You guys look like supermodels who should be on the front uh, of a Jesus magazine. Christ. No, seriously, they're both super tall. They're just both very good looking, and they're both saving lives every day. I mean, you want to be embarrassed, man? Just come over anytime. Well, it's true. You guys are amazing. You guys are mm, super amazing. Adorable. You're I really so adorable. appreciate the uh, compliments. You're like Indiana royalty. But if I could say yeah, Indiana royalty. <laughs> exactly. Brown, Brown County 10s. <laughs> Brown County 10s. If I could say anything to that is, as you know, every relationship, every experience looks better from the outside looking in, right? Everything is on social media. No one's posting their garbage. No one's airing their dirty laundry. Every relationship but takes work. I guess one of the things I like. No one's perfect. And uh, that's what I like about you guys, though, because when I hang out with you, you guys, sometimes Ashley, like, will be like, she'll yell at you or she'll slap your arm or it's funny. Like, it's, but you guys aren't perfect, but you, you just, you're just a great couple. I appreciate we, the compliment. We feel yeah. your love. We feel your love and the fact that you guys work together and you're both 
nurses superheroes in a global fucking pandemic i just think a lot of you guys yeah a lot okay <laughs> and i know it's probably really stressful we can't even begin to tap into that i'm sure of what it's like to be you guys it's a weird it's a weird experience i think that w- it would be a whole podcast in its own so yes. we won't even open that let's can not even of worms. open that can we're gonna Good put call. that on the shelf for later Good call did you want me to do we're on to your feelings make you Which, always this is yeah, new. We stuck on feelings over you do your oh, like okay. kind of like gypsy tricks where I where don't. You ask everybody else things, and, and, and then you don't Sounds answer. like a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> don't talk about Gypsy me. Gypsy tricks. <laughs> you know. Okay, I am feeling so happy, and I'm having so much fun because I've been looking forward to this. Also, Mickey, it is just ever since we watched that Tiger King documentary, <laughs> I just could not wait to have you back on the this show. Magic of Tiger King. The yeah. magic. Bringing people it, together. It brought us together. <laughs> we had nothing else going on at the time. We needed it. Um, so I'm I'm just really happy and excited, and I've put a lot of work into this show. Great! I have really thought like a lot about you, Mickey, and what you could bring to this conversation, and I have some great questions for you. I hope I live up. Oh, you will. I mean, you can't mess up on this show. We just go with it. You know, where else can you go and get you know a little parenting stuff, you, some crime stuff, cults, some religion? I mean, we've just kind of like a one-stop shopping for human behavior. That was weird. I don't know. Okay. What are we talking about? What are we talking about today? All right. So don't look at me like that. What are we talking about? Um, I was thinking, since this is a two-parter, this first episode, we would get some background before we dive into Alabama Snake documentary itself. Okay. Um, Let's talk about the, Mickey, I'm going to call it the snake handling community. Okay. Um, I needed to know more about it, so I found after watching that documentary on so HBO. You did like a deep dive. I did a and deep found dive. More. Lots and lots and yeah. lots. Yeah. And so I found a show um, from 2013 on National Geographic, and it's a reality show about a couple of pastors in Appalachia. I say Appalachia. I don't know if that's Appalachia. I've heard people say Appalachia. Probably I just like where you're from. Regional dialect like thing. Louisville and. Louisville. Okay. Um, so I found this show. It, they're 20 minute episodes. They're on Prime. It's the only place I could find them. Yes. And I did pay $1.99 for each episode. Okay. I'll just say it right now. I actually How many episodes paid you buy? like five. I didn't get the whole season. Oh, okay. Um, but I got enough in those first five episodes. I, yeah. And then I did a deep dive and like did some reading and blah, blah, blah. So I was hoping you guys could provide two things. Uh, Casey, at some point, I would like you to talk about. Appalachia, because I needed some help with the geography, because Appalachia, I didn't realize how many states that it went through. It's big. Yes. Um, So I was hoping you could talk about that, and then, Mickey, if you could just fill us in on, like, where does this this subset of Pentecostal come from? What's their belief about, you know, I know it's a literal interpretation of take up serpents. What should we do first, you guys? Do you think we should do geography? I mean, Appalachia, Mickey, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it stretches as far on like northeast as lower end of New York, all the way down to Alabama, Mississippi. And the width of it, I mean, it takes up all of West Virginia, a good portion of Virginia, parts of Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, the Carolinas, Maryland. I, mean, I think I think um, you got to you kind of have to define it in two different ways, and one way would be geography, strictly geography. 
and then the other way is like more of a cultural area. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know enough about like upstate New York and that's know, farther like away New from Hampshire where we are. Yeah. and Vermont and areas that are still kind of considered part of the Appalachian Mountain, ch- you know, chain. But when you think about like that Appalachian or Appalachian, however you want to say it, culture, you know, it's the thing that you know someone growing up in the Midwest would think is West Virginia, Eastern Virginia, Tennessee. Uh, I'm sorry, Western, Western Virginia, West Virginia, Eastern Tennessee, <laughs> Eastern <laughs> Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, like uh, Northern Alabama, Northern Georgia, the Carolinas. That's what you think of is more of like the uh, kind of middle ground area. A lot of you know economically uh, hardships, hardships. You know, more like industrial towns that are Coal, falling money. by the wayside with the ever evolving times sure yeah so a lot of yeah industrial towns that had their heyday and they're on the outs and there's just a lot of you know and related to that would be like the rust belt yeah you know pennsylvania is big but both but you have like pittsburgh cincinnati cleveland former towns you know you know what you guys i'm just gonna say it i don't know what the rust belt is so rust belt is (laughs) um it's not like a I'm, I'm not going to give an official definition because I don't know the official definition, but okay. when Rust Belt is typically associated with cities that were more prominent during the Industrial Revolution, um, and since our economy and culture has kind of moved away from that, okay. it's rusting. It's rusty. Like all those industries yeah. are rusted. Because it was okay. a lot of like steel towns, yeah. coal towns, coal mining, towns. Yeah. yes. Yeah. A okay. lot of things that were important at the beginning of the 20th century that aren't as important nowadays. Okay, thank you for that. I feel I feel yeah. smarter, you guys. We just like to provide you with any kind of information, you know, that we possibly can across the board. Okay, that's great. So, Mickey, let's jump into can can you explain one? Here's some of my questions, and we can just go however you want to. But Pentecostal is is a religion, or it's a right? Uh, Pentecostals are considered uh, Protestants. Um, okay. I don't know if they define themselves as Protestants. I don't really know because I've never was a part of the the Pentecostal group of churches. But that's sort of the umbrella. Like there's but, Baptist, there's Catholic, sure. there's Pentecostal. Pentecostals and like other things like the holiness movement and all that come from a, a very specific time and place. Ooh, tell us about um, that, the holiness movement. Yeah, so uh, Pentecostals and specifically like snake handling and speaking in tongues and stuff like that kind of came about in the late 19th century. Um, culturally to think about what was going on in the world is beginning of industrialization. So cities were becoming bigger. Uh, more people were living in tighter quarters. You had individuals that were drinking more alcohol. A lot of cultures that never had exposure to alcohol. That's okay. kind of when the prohibition came out. out okay. of them. Um, so Pentecostals are part of a group of Christianity that kind of pushed back from that idea because you were basically changing the country from a rule-based country to more of a city-based country. Okay. Um, so there's kind of like this paradigm that's happening. Okay. Um, but the the Pentecostal group or the holiness movement kind of comes out of uh, John Wesley. So John Wesley is the father of the Methodist church or the Methodist movement. And there's a lot of different uh, churches that attribute their beliefs to John Wesley. But he uh, wrote about sanctification and things of that nature. But basically... It all kind of comes down to the Great Commission. So the Great Commission is out of Luke. Parts of it are in Acts. In the in the Bible. New Testament. New Testament. So the Great Commission happens 
It's typically associated with the time after Christ died and re- was resurrected. A.D., if you will. A.D. is... <laughs> is that the wrong thing? That starts with Christ's <laughs> birth. That, But, anywho. Okay. Um, so this is... I did not... Um, after Christ, Christ came to the upper room where his disciples were meeting about 50 days after his death and resurrection and uh, spoke to his disciples and commissioned them out. Um, now, some of that ideas were during Christ's like preaching time as well. So it's the Bible. So the Bible is written by, you know, several individuals Lots that all kind of, of collected people. their ideas. There's different interpretations. There's different viewpoints of the same events. You can interpret it literally. You can interpret it figuratively. And that's why we have the different sects of religion, right? Anyways, Pentecostals really focus on the gifts gifts of the Spirit. And the the gifts of the Spirit come from Mark. And you'll hear a lot of that in that documentary. A lot of Mark. Mark is big Um, with these people. So casting out demons, Mm -hmm. speaking in new tongues, uh, taking up serpents, drinking poison healing the sick. Now it's also mentioned in Luke and Luke talks about commissioning the believers to spread the word of Christ, healing the sick. And then specifically Luke ten nineteen. this is new international version. I believe the NIV. I remember that uh, it's either new international or new times Roman. I can't remember which I looked up for this, but uh, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. None shall uh, by any means hurt you. So, time out. You said New Times Roman. That isn't that a font? Uh, it might be. Yeah. New New Romans or something like that. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. Anywho. <laughs> Sorry, I have ADD. <laughs> no, no, that, that's perfect. There is there. What, the New International Version is based off of a previous previous version. I think there's New even, King James. New King NKJ. There it is. New King James. We were going to get there Mickey, eventually. Mickey, I went to a uh, Baptist private school. Oh, and okay. actually, I mean, you'll appreciate this. There was the NIV was very controversial. This was in the nineties. I don't know. Do you know about this? Like, yeah. And I, and I grew up growing up as a pastor's kid in the Methodist Church. Um, there were certain individuals that didn't really like the new international because the, the new international version is a little bit more inclusive, if you will, and with easier certain, to understand. Certain, well, I think the the biggest problem, at least the impression that I got from individuals in my church, is it's a little bit, it's just a little bit more inclusive to other religious beliefs and interpretations. And that's just, I mean, there's, I don't have any context for that. Other no, than I just remember what, that yeah. too. Okay, so anyway, but, so New King James version. So to get to get to the root of it is, yeah. the the Great Commission is mentioned in Mark, Luke, and Acts. The key takeaways are preaching to people, speaking in tongues, specifically in Acts, uh, verse two through four, it says speaking in their own tongues, Okay, which I find interesting. Interesting. In tongue, speaking in tongues is mentioned all throughout the Bible in different places, but different interpretations, different translations, sometimes it's described as speaking to other people's languages okay. and not necessarily speaking in a unfathomable language that you sometimes see with you know speaking in tongues in pentecostal churches you mean like it sounds a lot like what some may so specifically say gibberish in acts, well and specifically in acts individuals where the holy spirit came upon them they started speaking in languages they didn't know but they were languages that other people spoke oh, okay 
being an individual like myself, I think that the author there was trying to get at the point that the Holy Spirit will give these individuals power to communicate the message across the world. To spread it. Right. As much as possible. So, but I don't have a literal interpretation of the Bible. But, so nowadays, though, when we think of speaking in tongues, if I'm getting off track, I'm sorry. No. It really just sounds like nothing any of us have ever heard. Because, I mean, even though I don't know any other languages, I can recognize other languages. And what what I'm hearing when people are speaking in tongues is not any sort of language that I've ever heard. Or And for the individuals that are speaking in tongues, you know, their belief system is they're speaking the language of the Holy Spirit, you know. And whatever that, whatever comes out of their mouth is of the Holy Spirit. It's it's the Holy Spirit. They're not even speaking the language. The Holy Spirit is speaking the language through them. And that's perfectly fine. Whatever, you know, that doesn't hurt anybody. Have you guys, either of you ever met anyone like in real life or known people that speak in tongues? Um, I haven't. My dad doesn't speak in tongues regularly, but he has told me that he has spoken tongues he personally he that he says he has i i have never witnessed him speaking in tongues i know that when he was a younger man that he was more into associated with with pentecostals and the holiness movement and all that is like revivalism um like being like going to a revival i don't know but then he moved away from that into the methodist did you say well no he was always methodist but okay. uh, methodism is is interesting because it's not a far step away from i mean john wesley who's the founder of the methodist movement is also attributed to as the father of the pentecostal movement you know what I mean? okay well, one interesting because so, I, I never would have put those two really, right. those two together yeah so the whole thing with john wesley is there's two tenets or two kind of foundational thoughts is one you have this rebirth moment where you give your life to christ and you're new founded in christ but then there's the sanctification or like the realization of what living for christ means and some individuals as you see in in our documentaries that we've watched is that means that they can hold snakes that means that they speak in tongues that means that they can drink poison and they take that literal interpretation out of mark mostly okay so that's where that little literal interpretation of take up serpents. I kept hearing that. In... Because it's 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 not that I don't think that they would feel that they are validating what they believe. They, they're given power and that that validates their belief. They just feel like that is a manifestation of their new birth in Christ. The ability to handle the snake and not without... be harmed by it. If you're harmed by it, does that mean you're off with God or like you're in sin? Or... I think that there are some that do kind of interpret it that way. I don't know. I never grew up in the Pentecostal faith. And specifically, we're not talking about like your average, average Pentecostals. We're talking about Pentecostals that engage in snake handling. Right. right. I want to really make sure that we define that that it's not all Pentecostals. That, right. that snake handling is a very um, small subset. I mean, I think I read that there were only like 100 churches. Yeah, it's not that many. And my takeaway from what you asked, too, was, and from that documentary that we watched, which I know we're going to get to in later, Mm -hmm. but my understanding was in that documentary when he took the woman, his version of the story was, if you're lying to me, if you put your hand in there, then you'll be bit, and that will be... That will show your sin? Show the sin of your, your, yeah. To me, it's like... 
Uh, it's like what they make fun of in Monty Python. If you throw the woman into the lake and she drowns, well, then she was innocent. <laughs> yeah. But if she swims, then she's a witch. You right. know what I mean? Like the yeah. uh, Salem I don't, witch I don't trial I don't mean to mock stuff. someone else's religious beliefs. No. But it, like, yeah, at a certain kinda, point, you know, this you're This is a like, safe place. We're just so talking. So because you're able to survive yourself, like it, with, to Monty Python. Right. It's like, yeah, if I know how to swim, then I must be a demon. I yeah. have a demon inside me. Right. So one of my questions, Vicky, was, in your opinion, how do people get to this? To me, it's sort of an extreme. Like, if you compare it to our mainstream culture here in the United States or the Western world, let's say, maybe even globally, when I'm watching this show, the Snake Salvation Show, I took some notes. One of the pastors, he said, even if my kids and wife died from snake bites, I'd still keep doing this. The scripture commands, it takes up serpents. And they actually refuse medical care and say that it's God's will. And there's something about succumbing to fear of the venom. And I'm trying to figure that out. So I was hoping you could maybe so explain I think, that. So I think, and this is why I always bring up Fowler. So those that don't know, which is probably a lot of people because... Not everyone know, studies religion. But James Fowler is, um, I don't know what his official title would be, a professor of theology is what he's defined to. I'm, I'm going to his Wikipedia page just for general notes, but... He defines uh, religious beliefs, not just Christianity, but kind of like what the psyche or what the different um, stages are of how people believe. And uh, to kind of break it down simply, you know, stage zero is, you know, a very rudimentary birth, two years old. Um, It's about safety of their environment. There's not really any philosophical thoughts or anything like that. Stage one. Is this the, like this is human development in terms of yeah, religion? It, okay. it would be it would, human development and uh, religious development. He, he's a psychologist and a okay, you know, cool. theologian. I speak my language now. Um, okay. And so stage one is characterized by psyche of unprotected exposure to the unconscious, is marked by relative fluidity of thoughts. Religion is learned mainly through experiences. So this is the individual that goes to church on Sunday because that's what their family does. Yeah. And that's, that's what, you know, they, they don't know go. of anything else. So this is, this is actually age three to seven. So childhood, oh, three to seven. Uh, okay. stage two and stage three. So this is where, uh, most people in my opinion would kind of be in terms of religion. Uh, and it's not a judgment thing. It's just, this know, is a theory. This, yeah, is, a this theory. is a theory. And it's one right. that it's a framework that right. you use exactly. that, that you were taught. Okay. Right. So stage two is kind of more of, it's like a strong belief in justice. There's an anthropomorphic view of their deity. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa. Mickey, what does that mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that word. Ant- anthropomorphic. Yeah, like, like say when it. you um, subscribe a human thing to a, or, or apply oh, a human, human thing. Human characteristics yeah. to an animal? Or of nature, you know okay. what I mean? You know, I would say that, you know, uh, I'm not Fowler, so no, that's forgive okay. me. But I would say it's like viewing something that just happens in nature that's just chaos is that was God's plan. Okay. Does that make so, sense? Okay. And, and Fowler says that during this time, metaphors and symbolism is often misunderstood or taken literally. Okay. There and we go. Okay. Stage three is a little bit... A little bit more advanced to this and this is where you get more into that community and uh this is like kind of adolescence to adulthood um and this is characterized by conformity to authority 
religious development is a part of that personal identity. Yes, um, I get anyone that. Anyone who, any conflicting thoughts or beliefs that don't kind of conform to that identity is, we talked about mental gymnastics earlier. Yeah. Um, any conformity, uh, or I'm sorry, any beliefs that don't, you know, fit into that box are just kind of ignored. Ignored um, or deemed as wrong. Or deemed as wrong, uh, fear, uh, highly associated with fear in that yeah. stage. Okay. So I think that this is where we really get to a lot of what you see in these communities. Because it's really fear of going to hell. That's what it's all about. I, I think that that's a, a bit judgmental. I think that... Okay, I'll be judgmental. That, I don't think that they would interpret it that okay, way. Okay, you can be the voice of... I'll sure. be the judgmental one. I'll take that for the team. Um, I think it's based on I fear think, of going to hell. Right. But I think stage two and stage three are really kind of built in that box of it's rules. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of almost like an earning situation. Like we talked about in stage three, it's a fear to not be a part of the group. There, there's a lot of conformity there. You don't want to be left out or left behind. Sure. Just to kind of put it all into context, stage four is he defines it as a stage of angst, uh, of struggle. Basically, individuals uh, are having a harder time reconciling their belief systems with how they view the world. They're a little bit maybe more open to new complexities of faith, but they also have an increased awareness of the conflicts of their own faith. And okay. uh, this is why I really identify with Fowler and his, and his model is this was me in college. Okay. Um, yeah, give us I had some a personal hard examples. time reconciling the strict religion that I was raised in and with what I was learning and what I knew and all of that. To put it into context, I'm an agnostic, which means, uh, for those that don't know, I don't know. And that's where I would put myself to. I believe, I believe in a higher power, potentially, but I, I'm okay with saying, I don't know. I think, I think, in my opinion, I think it's foolish to to claim that you know something about something you can't. Right, measure. that's how I feel. Right. Um, I'm not know, atheist because I think that is a limited belief. I think they're. I think uh, theism and atheism are both very limited. Yeah. David Hume writes uh, a book. I think it's called Dialogues of Religion or something like that. But um, it's it's worth checking out. Will and, you? Yeah, let's find it and we can post it on our social media. Yeah, I'll look for it later. But it's basically the whole context of the book. It's kind of hard to read because it's, it, you know. 19, Is it heavy? It's 19th century flowery writing. And, <laughs> a lot of extra words. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're talking about like Henry David Thoreau. Oh, yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. This type of yeah. stuff. But, okay, well, some of our David, listeners David might Hume, like that. Hume, writes from the perspective of three individuals. One's a theist, one's an atheist, one's oh, an agnostic. Cool. Okay. And they're having a conversation about religion. That's um, cool. that, uh, That's a squirrel moment. That's okay. Okay, so we talked about four. Stage five, you're starting to get a little bit more, not necessarily above religion, but just kind of like you're a little bit more of a transcendence, if you will. Stage five individuals acknowledge the paradoxes in what they believe. Um, they get more to what the symbolism or the meaning, the in, the what the intention of the story, the intention of the parables, um, like the intention being. Right. So you're 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 moved what do we away take from, from this. You're moved away from that conflict where you're like, how can I measure something with science, and how can I believe something with my religion? And this is getting to the point where you don't really care about those conflicts, and it's not really about those conflicts anymore. What is it, it is about? what is 
what is this religious text meaning for what can for, I take away from my, it for my life for my my not necessarily my belief system but for my uh, morality if okay. you will okay. um, and I, I I would say that I don't know if I'm quite there but I would say that's more where I move I I feel like I could go to church and have a meaningful experience mm-hmm. and not have to believe that anything is necessarily white or black or, right. or this or that. It's just, it's about more finding the the good of what it brings to people Yes, and kind of building that up. And then just to get all the way through, stage six is like enlightenment and Fowler specifically only identified a few individuals that he felt that had really obtained that. Well, that's like where, like the, Gandhi, right. Martin Luther right. King, like individuals that, that, still espouse a particular religion, but they're so ab- above that one box that that religion is in. Right, because religion is kind of a box. Right. I would say that I am closest to five, and I'm maybe patting myself on the back, and I actually identify myself as a Christian agnostic. I don't know if that's defined elsewhere, but the way I define that I like is that. someone that grew up in a Christian religion, someone that understands the and appreciates the value of Christianity, but it, I don't limit myself to saying that this, I don't, I, a man, I don't know if a man was swallowed by a fish or a large, or a right. whale. Right, or is that just, you know, And if he a life was, lesson. fantastic. If he wasn't, I don't really care because it doesn't do anything to help me be a better person. What helps me be, better, be a better person is just that story is about having faith and trusting and yes. things of that nature. Right. So it's okay. kind of like getting get more to that, I guess. So with, with the... I said a whole lot. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. That, that actually minutes. really helped a lot because, um, so well, the that's snake, why you're here. what's the most respectful way for the snake handlers? What, what's, what should we use for that? Um, from this point forward? I don't know. I think that, snake uh, handlers is what um, they, I don't know what, how they define themselves. Serpent. I think it's I serpent, they call serpent them preachers. Serpent handlers. serpent handlers. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Cause I do want to be respectful. Uh, always, uh, maybe not always, but most of the time. So, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. There's, you can edit it out. There's. <laughs> I think you should leave it in. Okay. I always leave it. The in. literal. <laughs> he does. The literal interpretation. I feel like there's a lot of that. What stage was that when you like really interpret? That's it kind of like stage three, stage two. Because stage, I feel like that's where yeah. we are here with the. Um, right. They're all, yeah. They are very and literal. I think, and I think that most, and this is just from my perspective, of course. I think that most Christians that I have interacted with kind of don't make it past that stage three which is um that's where like you they stage three you identify yourself in the religion there's no conflict you do those mental gymnastics you know what i mean you can however you feel about donald trump you can look at him and say that he's a christian man we all know that that man does not espouse or follow <laughs> the morals of Christianity. You can say that about Biden. I'm not here to make that argument. We're kind of in like the cognitive but, dissonance. Right. Place so cognitive dissonance is just a really fancy way of saying mental gymnastics. Yes. Which I, like to say. <laughs> uh, I like mental gymnastics. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's like reconciling these two fundamentally right. like what? opposite ideas. Yeah. Into Sounds one. like you're exercising. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So here's here's where so I think where the serpent handlers really kind of go off into their I don't know if this is a different stage or level or a fringe maybe is the danger that's associated with what right. they do. So a couple examples here, Mickey, you just take a, take a minute, have your, have a couple sips of beer, drink some water. Thank you. That was so helpful. 
let me let me take over for a minute because I have a lot of questions. I'm processing everything. So one of the things that I just cannot, speaking of reconciling, in the Snake Salvation documentary show, reality show, there have been like quite a few, I think it was in 2011, but then before that too, but there were quite a few like around that time frame of pastors, um, snake handling pastors who died because of snake bites. And then uh, Pastor Coots, he's one of the pastors in the show I Made You Watch, you know, the snake handling show. He lost a finger after being bitten. You saw that. I, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he, and he didn't get medical attention. So it healed on its own and it looks like really funky. Did you see how funky mm-hmm. it looked? Okay. So his wife, Linda, she asked him to keep it. And Linda puts his old finger in a jar and says, now I'll always have a piece of you. And that was like a huge monumental moment for me because I realized that was like a rite of passage or maybe that's not the right phrasing to use, but it was like almost like a huge honor, like this thing that that maybe us more mainstream people would consider idiotic, like you did not go to the hospital. We have all this medical attend. We have we have um, advances medically that we can fix this. And like he lost the Holy an Spirit entire protected him as he walked through the valley of, of fire. And right. Death, right. So yeah. yeah, got it. So a couple things. So there's that, but then there's also like just on a more practical level. How did she keep that finger from rotting? Because it was just in a mason jar. Yeah, I think at that point it was just like completely uh, it looked necrotic. Yeah, it was what is the black. word? Necrotic? Uh, like, yeah, like necrosis. Like or dead petrified? Tissue. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that, you know? Okay, and she um, kept it in a mason jar. Yeah, I don't know the details of, of science in terms of like embalming and all of that. <laughs> Um, but that's just pretty out there like to yeah because that, that was in 2013 there's a place i can't remember what state it's in but there's like a bar biz, place of business that keeps like dead big toes or dead no thumbs, what are you talking about you can pay to have it put in a shot and like they people do shots what i have to find it please I'll look do it up. and i want to do a but whole follow-up episode there's like on a that. thing it's like a thing it makes me nauseous. Yeah, so we won't have Mickey back for that one. But hell, you guys but... talk about it now. It's just <laughs> the idea of doing a shot with someone. I don't. Well, there's got to be dead something. There's, I got to know the psychology behind that. That's interesting. I'll find it. Yeah, do we'll some, do a deep dive it, on that. But... So that's what's crazy is like not getting the medical attention. But that's what I was going to ask you, Mickey. So how do they? Is that having faith? Is that like, I have so much faith that I don't need to get medical attention. God's. If I'm supposed to die, I'm going to die. I mean, if you're interpreting Mark, uh, I can't remember the specific, I think it's Mark 16th. I wrote it down. That's okay. You don't have to tell us um, exactly. Specifically, if you're interpreting that Mark, ver- those Mark verses as literal, then yeah, Mark 16th, uh, 14 through 18, then you can cast out demons. You can speak in tongues. You can take up serpents. You can drink poison. You can heal the sick. Like, and So they're believing that literally. It's a literal belief. Okay. Is, Which is stage two to three. Two to three. Two to yeah. three. Okay. Right. And then it's, it's I'm reading gonna... that text and not looking at any type of historical context or any context of the author or any meaning of the author. It's literally taking those words as the gospel, as as people like to say, as the literal words of Christ. And that's what's hard for me to wrap my head around is why is it that those words are literal or those teachings are literal in their eyes, but like they they modernize in other ways. Hard to say. How do they reconcile that? Is that sort of the cognitive dissonance? That's the mental yeah. gymnastics we're talking yeah, about. Okay, all absolutely. right, that makes sense. And I mean, there's other religious. I mean, it doesn't make there's sense, other but... religious um, 
sects that are less extreme to like the snake handling, but are more extreme. Like you look at the Amish culture. Um, yeah. So would you put it in that sort of? Um... I, I think that the Amish interpret the Bible very literally. Mm-hmm. Um, but they at least follow through with that pretty much across the board. Sure. Absolutely. Um, th- that's why I guess I'm so confused about. There's this... a, there's a whole I don't even know uh, spectrum of of different versions of Christianity You're and right. how literal they interpret the Bible. I mean, even within the Catholic Church, you can go to one Catholic church and it is much more literal interpretation. There's still churches that perform, uh, I don't know if that's the correct word, but uh, give the sermon in Latin. Wow. Uh, it's not so much anymore. That's not very common anymore. Kind of 1970s, that, that kind of went away or at least has diminished to a degree. But I mean. Kind of like there's something for everyone. Yeah. In religion. Um, right. There's, Christianity is interesting because uh, it's got a lid for every pot. Yeah. Yes. So I now can we transition into just some notes that I took with you in mind, Nikki? Some okay. things I wanted to share with you while I was watching Snake Salvation, the okay. show on National Geographic. Um, I'm going to read you my notes and then get your take on things. Okay. So Pastor Coots, he's the pastor in... Um, I think he's in Kentucky or he's in middle Middleborough, Kentucky. Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he's, sh- he's shopping in Texas with his son and his son's friend. And you want to know why they're in Texas? Because they didn't have any luck snake hunting in Tennessee or Kentucky. So they've been, so they're getting worried because we're going into winter and they need snakes and they're running low on snakes because the snakes that they get are not from like pet stores. Usually they go out in the woods and hunt for these snakes and the snakes usually only live for a month, a couple months in captivity with them because they don't take really good care of the snakes. And I can post some stuff on that. Um, There's a lot of articles that kind of research and go into that. But so they have their snake poles and flashlights and they're in the woods and they only caught one. So so they're like, we only caught one. We're heading into winter. So they head to Texas and they are going to a lady's farm. Her name's Edna, Edna McDonald and she's famous. She has a famous snake farm. And she's 97 years old. That was in 2013. So I'm not sure if she's still with so us. So she's probably dead now. She might be dead. <laughs> I she's mean, probably dead. we're just going to be honest about it. 2013, she was in her late 90s. 97. Then. She was like 90. Yeah. yeah. So she, they call her the snake lady. And um, she has this whole farm in Texas where she raises um, rare western diamondback snakes for purchase. Which they're they're like I think they're one. She of, raises them. Yeah, she raises them and keeps oh. them on her property. But they don't go there and buy them. They go there and you can go there. They go there and look for them and hunt them. Yeah. So she must have like a sanctuary essentially. That's, but she lets people take them. They must. I don't know. Do you think they pay? I bet they pay for them. There might be a, a I, fee, a hunting fee, a hunting fee. Maybe that, but that wasn't the impression I got. What was the, what is that impression? they were going to go to Texas and. She had a property that they knew a lot of snakes just lived in because there was a lot of like places Terrain. that they could. No, she, but she purposely has like a snake ranch. Yeah. She might have both. She might gotcha. have both. So she says, they call me the snake lady. I've been doing this since I was eight years old and never been bit. And then she said, it helps that I'm crazy. So she's laughing when she says that. She says she's been doing this for 85 years and she's never been bit. Right. And so on her farm though, she, there's this like hand lettered sign written like in marker that says not responsible for accidents and they don't have to sign a waiver or anything i don't know it just seems well, that's like... why i think she does there would be no waiver to sign it because she doesn't own them 
Okay. Okay. It's all like I just know where to find snakes. I can take You're you on there. My property. Yeah, You're on she, my property. Okay, because they call it. She calls it snake hunting on the farm. No. She must have a. Maybe it's a, a farm that's got a high density, good environment for for snakes. snakes. Yeah, I think that's and what it is. like maybe zoos or things that would need a that type of snake. I don't know. Okay, yeah. so they. Weird. So this was really surprising <laughs> to me. They use a controversial hunting method, where it like they smoke out these snakes. They, I guess the snakes have snake dens, and then they put this plastic tarp over that, and then they pump gasoline into that. And those fumes are what drive the snakes out. I just feel like that's kind of cruel. And again, I feel like that's a bit severe for Christians to do. I don't know. That's just what came to me. So it's legal in Texas. That's why they're there, I guess. And they put the snake in the bag. And so they go through all of this to get the snakes. And I, this whole time, thought, well, you just go to a pet store. You know, you just go buy some at a pet store. But that's not at all what they do. I'm sure most states and counties have legislation against venomous snakes just they because do. of the risks involved they do that's what so they get these western diamondbacks in texas which are illegal in tennessee and kentucky so what they do is they they get all these snakes in texas and then they, they have like a snake dealer that they meet in a state on the way home and they trade those diamondbacks for snakes that are like copperheads and stuff that are legal in their states that's a lot so are they taking home the, the snake, snakes that are legal in their state and yes. they're basically using the other snakes as currency? Yes. Yeah. Snake currency. So they, they travel mm. two days from Kentucky to Texas. They go to this lady's farm. She's got a guide that knows the best spots. He takes them out. They grab a handful of these snakes. Then they drive to, I believe it was South Carolina, yeah, South meet Carolina. some dude in some back road type of thing and who has the legal snakes for Kentucky and is like, I'll give you five for one right, of right. these things that you got in Texas. And then they make the deal and then they go back to Kentucky and then they have church on Sunday right. and they do their whole thing. It's wild. It's it, wild. Yeah. It's super wild. So back to when they were shopping in Texas before all that, the sales ladies, sales associates, this is episode two if anybody wants to watch it, they are asking the snake handlers, like, what are you, you know, tell us more about this. And so Pastor Coots says, it's not the handling of the snakes. That don't mean anything. It's the feeling that you know you're holding something in your hand that can kill you, and yet God is giving you victory over it. So then the other pastor, Pastor Hamblin, he's with, he says, they don't worship the snakes because that would be evil and wrong. They just use them as a symbol of how powerful God is. What do you think about all that? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> um, I mean, just... I think that's where when I when I see this, it, that's where I, I try my best to hold back judgment because I think in their minds they are doing glory to their God. Um in their minds, yeah. And I think that in their and, – and for the most part, I think that their hearts are genuine. Now, there's certainly exceptions to that rule. When we get into the HBO documentary, there is definitely power and manipulation and things of that nature that that permeate in all religions. How and I didn't see a whole lot of times, that. How many times do we have to hear about Catholic um, – Fucking priests. Priests taking advantage of, of young children. Yeah. 
how many times do we have to hear an abuse of power, you know, other church leaders having four, five, six, you know, um, adulterous relationships. So I, I think one of the fallacies here is to assume that that everyone is evil or everyone is Yeah, they're perfect. not evil. Not it, in this they're humans, depiction. So. And that's why I was glad that I watched The Snake Salvation not on National Geographic in addition to sure. the HBO documentary. Because, I mean, the HBO documentary that we're going to get to next, part two, is so interesting. And But this is like, these are real people living this. And I didn't get the vibe that anyone was really like evil or sure. bad. Like, they really do believe it. I do think they... I do question the mental sanity a little bit. There was one thing in the well, – I only watched the first episode of the National Geographic documentary. The one thing, the one takeaway that made me question that whole I think their hearts are pure was one of the individuals who comes off as more genuine mm-hmm. um, kind of made a comment about how he better have snakes – at his church service, otherwise he wasn't gonna be able to bring in any money. So uh, there's a there's a a livelihood to this power that they have but how over would this they, evil. How would they bring in money? Donations, tithing. Yeah, the same yeah. way. You know, I thought he was saying they, if he didn't get money, he wouldn't be able to get more snakes. I interpreted that oh, as interesting. If he doesn't have snakes for his service, then the people aren't going to show up for his service. Because they're they'll not going to believe. Yeah. Well, they'll go to another church that does have snake handling, and in their minds, the Holy Spirit is more there because the Holy Spirit gave them snakes to be able to perform so their service. Holier. Right. Yeah. Yes. And right. he also made that comment too. I mean, he's living on food stamps, so right. like this is definitely a desperation, valuable source think, of income for him. I think him. In, yeah. in his heart of hearts, he believes that sure. god is protecting him but at the same time i mean but can we talk about like why these guys wait till winter to go look for snakes i don't think that they wait till winter no, they're i just waiting. don't think that they survive captivity very long they don't and one to two months when winter comes along there's right. less snakes to find because they're yeah hold on I, I feel like they could be better timed <laughs> i think they're just trying to prepare for the I think winter they sound months. a little bit lazy you think? You know, maybe they waited till last maybe. minute. Maybe. It's How interesting because in the HBO documentary, it sounded like that particular group, of that church, had plenty of snakes. Yeah. Plenty they of snakes. Maybe they went to the... And it sounded like they were also breeding them. I can't remember if I remember yeah, that correctly. Probably. But it sounded like they're, they're had they had reliable access to snakes. They had a yeah. really good system for snake production. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so on that note, you guys, I just want to leave you... We can wrap this part one up, but I wanted to leave you with this. For all the moms listening, the parents listening... I thought this was so interesting and I had to share it. So I'm watching episode two and they talk about, um, it's Pastor Hamblin, the one we were just discussing. And, and he's 21. He's like 23, I think. What? And his wife's like 19 or 20. Yeah, drop it. Drop it what? Drop the bomb. Drop the bomb. Okay, so they are doing like this at home in the living room scene um, showing their life. And they have five kids, two twins and then like a baby. Little shitheads, it looks like. They do look like shitheads. Smacking their mom. And, and he's, yeah, So ahead. she's a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> And so there's the documentary is depicting like what they call the holiness wife, like what that looks like. So she stays home with the five kids and um, Pastor Hamblin, he says, quote, I couldn't do her job. I couldn't handle the stress of a baby crying over here and baby needs her diaper changed over there. And it really hit me that it is so true that being a stay at home mom and taking care of kids is harder than serpent handling. True, but he also was not a very engaged 
She's raising dad, five kids by herself, basically in extreme poverty. Yeah, and, and he would rather yeah. go. But and she's also like nineteen, so her brain's not even fully developed. Yeah, but right. still, I think it says a lot that he child raising a child. Yeah, mm-hmm. it says a lot though that that he's he aware would, that he would rather yeah go Hold handle snakes, snakes venomous <laughs> snakes. Yeah, than stay at home with with Which, kids under. Yeah, six. to me that he is fully aware of what responsibilities need to be taken. To raise a child, and he. So in that context, I would rather uh, work in an emergency department and watch people die than handle snakes. <laughs> so that means, like, you're a whole as a as a mom, you must be really up there. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mickey. That was a great way to say that. Yes, only like age six and below. After that, it's easier. But man, well, it depends on how you raise them. Because the That's way that true. dude their house he so everything got really chaotic and he's like okay well um here's I gotta the go. other baby bye like <laughs> do you hands need anything and then he's like out the door yeah yeah and she's like yeah I, i'll just when when this documentary come out the national geographic 2013 one, have you done it where are they now no but that's such a good idea let's yeah. do that for our next episode i think i think uh we open the next part the second part with a where are they where now are they now like over under Who's been bit? Who hasn't? And who's divorced and who's not? Right. Yeah. And who is still practicing serpent handling? Yeah. Maybe we just start with like who's alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Who's still alive? Okay. Do you want any snake statistics in terms of like Do healthcare you have perspective? Some? I yeah, I did some research. Oh my gosh, Mickey. Yes. <laughs> she for please. real was like, I forgot to look this up. Yeah, I yeah. did. Oh, that'd yeah. be great. Mickey won't let you down. Yeah, you gave me you gave me homework. I did. I did give okay. him homework. Yay! On top of his actual homework. All right. I know. So globally, fewer than two hundred thousand a year, uh, people are bit. These are not venomous snakes. This is all it's from, just snakes in general. This is all from snake uh, Medscape online. You know, if you re- just send reputable. me send me the article too, I could post it. It's on just website. on there. You have to Medscape? create an account. Okay. You have to be a provider. So, oh, yeah. look at us, the, Casey. Yeah, I actually used my NP credentials. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow, we're like so legit. And maybe you don't, but it, it seemed like when I was logging Mickey, in, we're I had gonna to go with it that yes, you have to create an account. <laughs> All right. So specifically, you asked me if I had ever dealt with a snake bite, and I, I said no. It's not very common in urban areas, specifically not like colder Midwestern states like Indiana, Indiana. It might be more common in rural areas of Indiana. And I'm sure it's more common in like Texas and Colorado and, you know, North, you know, uh, New Mexico, those areas that are, that have a higher population of snakes. Anywho. Okay. Uh, fewer than 200,000 a year in, I'm sorry, that's in the U S but not all of them are poisonous and less than 10 deaths a year. So I said something wow. earlier while we were watching that doc is, I wonder what the general population death to snake bite risks are compared to these individuals. I'm sure it's astronomically. You know higher. what? I'd like to guess. Mm-hmm. Um, educated guess here. All the people that died in a year, the ten of them were probably serpent handlers. So that's actually not true, based on this research. <laughs> um, the majority of individuals that die are young, like adolescent or younger males, and they're probably just got bit because they were you know, running, running around out in the playing yard. outside. Yeah. yeah, right. So that's the majority of the individuals that die. Um, in terms of what snake venom is and what we face in the United States, there's four uh, species of venomous snakes or four types of venomous snakes in the U.S. Uh, most of them are kind of in that rattlesnake family. I can't remember exactly what the genus is. Forgive me, I didn't write that down. We're just lay people here. Nineteen uh, percent of venomous snake bites between 2013 and 2014. Ninety percent, just over ninety percent of them were male. 
and 100% of them were intentional interactions with snakes on individuals' arms. Okay. That is, that is, those are for the deaths. Okay. okay. So individuals get bit on their legs. They get bit on other extremities. They're, so these are the deaths. Can you make an infographic um, on this, Casey, for our and, social media? And uh, 84.5% of them um, are Caucasian. So interpret that how you will. White people um, get yeah. bit White a people lot. be cray. So, so, <laughs> so snake, snake venom is basically full of digestive enzymes and antigens. Uh, when a snake bites you, uh, your body re- uh, recognizes all those proteins and it, it starts an immune cascade. And that's where you get like that gas gangrene, which is what that guy had on his finger. Yes, that was gross. Um, so basically it causes necrosis of the tissue it's dead, it, right? Necrosis right. means dead. Yep. Okay. Uh, causes the tissue to die and uh, essentially start rotting because, you know, your body attacks those proteins and too much of an immune reaction in that particular area actually can kill your own tissue. Uh, when you have body aches and you don't feel good because you got the flu, it's because your body is releasing toxins that are part of the immune response. And that is a like kind of painful experience. That's what right. the pain is. Okay. Right. So, um, the effects can be localized. They can be systemic. Uh, so the big issues with a snake bite is similar to like an anaphylactic reaction in terms of cardiogenic shock, which means their their heart is not officially or uh, efficiently pumping blood to the vital organs, and you die because the uh, venom gets in the way, or the way the body's no, responding. No, the body in the way. responds to the venom, which initiates this like cascade that doesn't stop. It's like a process that continues and continues it depends on the amount of venom that you're exposed to. and then the result is you can't get blood and oxygen to the places you right. need it to go uh hypotension you know happens a lot uh so that's low blood pressure and just like your heart isn't pumping enough blood to vital organs and then in terms of like how how what is a more dangerous snake it, every snake is different just like every human is different so the nutrition of the snake the age of the snake Oh my gosh, the let me tell you this. health of the snake all play a part Yes. Of okay, so NPR did this um, deep dive article, I'll post it, on why it, why does it seem that snake handlers don't get bit as often as um, serpent handlers in this Pentecostal religion? Really, they, they might have the statistics in that article, but they don't get bit as much as you would think. And so the, the religious people, of course, are like, because it's God. But they interview some snake specialists uh, who explain that because the snakes are not taken care of, because they're dehydrated, because they're not fed, they're like, they don't have the energy or the venom. Yeah, to... their body isn't producing shutting right. down good quality deadly venom. Yeah, good <laughs> yeah. deadly venom. Yeah, that's what it's we should prob- call that. Probably, like... That probably explains the statistic where basically what I got from uh, Medscape was that most people that die are younger adolescent or younger so their bodies are smaller they're getting a higher concentration of venom because they're getting bit by a healthy wild snake snake. you know and in the terms of their body size versus the amount of venom they're getting i'm assuming that probably plays a role and what did we learn from gary Busey? we were watching gary Busey. Uh, teenage rattler is the deadliest rattler (laughs) you really like getting bit by a teenage rattler is way worse than like an adult rattler because they have so much venom. They're more built up. And we have no. Wow. We did not fact check that. But that's just from Gary Busey. Just, we have no idea if that's isn't true. Isn't it or not. amazing how science just comes in and is like, oh, you mean you guys keep these things locked up and they don't eat and then they don't get exercise and anything and then it's really amazing how it works out that they're not as venomous, right, and or deadly. 
bite because they're not energy. as strong. And they're, right. yeah. yeah. So that explains that. Oh, science. Okay. On that note, I think we should pause here, guys. And Casey, you want to take us out? And then we will get ready for our part two. Thanks for listening. Please come back and listen to part two where we continue our conversation of the documentary. We'll go more into Alabama the documentary Snake. Alabama Snake that's on HBO Max. Murder. There's a lot of murder. Please like, rate, share, and subscribe. It means a lot to us. And if you already have, thank you. Thank uh, you so much, guys. Continue to listen and spread the word. Tell your friends. That's it. Bye, y'all. Bye.